visitors, please pick up your welcome bag at the connection site in the back of the sanctuary or at our welcome and information desk. Everyone, please write your name on our friendship card. Fill in your address to receive the newsletter or update your information. On the back, you can put prayer concerns, blessings, or notes to the staff and place in the offering plate. Enjoy, Enjoy the service! Good morning, everybody. Good morning! Everybody seems half asleep this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice and be glad in it and be glad in it this is the day that the lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it this is the day this is the day that the lord has made shall we pray together dear god in heaven we just pray that your holy spirit would descend into this place in a powerful way to lift us up, to help us celebrate you, to help us experience the joy and the wonder of your presence. Be with us, Lord Jesus. Amen. I'd like to invite you, if you're able, to stand as we're going to sing, O Come All Ye Faithful. Because it disappears once in a while.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Please be seated. Good morning. We're going to invite the James family to come up to light the Advent, Advent candle. This is the word of the Lord from Jeremiah 33, 14 through 16. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line, and he will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name in which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. This is the word of the Lord. We have two clipboards today, and I'm going to pass one around one side. One is for making a donation for communion and bread, and the other one is if you would like to make altar flowers or bulletins. So we'll just pass those around. And we have a great concern, great joy. We have a wonderful Advent play that's going to happen today at 10.15. And I know everybody's going to want to stay and be here to watch the children's pageant. I know they've been working very hard, and I want to just let everybody know to make sure you stay for that. And also, Christmas Eve service, please, in your bulletin, there are three, there are a couple of selections in which service you could come to. Now, we're not holding you to that, but we just kind of want to make sure how many chairs we have for each service. So if you're going to come to the morning services, and if you're also coming to the evening, just check there just to let everybody know. And besides Advent play, does anybody else have a joy, something that's just sprouting up in you that you just want to share? Something amazing. Yes. Awesome. Congratulations. Kelsey graduated from college yesterday. I had a wonderful opportunity yesterday. I was able to stand in the cold for seven hours yesterday to watch the commissioning of the USS Little Rock. So it was really awesome to see, but very, very cold. So that's a joy that I have that I probably will never be able to see again. So I'm glad I was able to do that. Anybody else? Okay, well, we're going to get ready for our offering. So I'm going to pass this microphone over to a really pretty girl. Savior reigns, let all their songs and 
sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. No more let sin and sorrows grow. just thank you, Lord God, for all the blessings that you've given us, that we'll be able to share with this church, Lord God, and that this church, Lord God, will share with our community, Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you for the gifts. Thank you for the tithe. And Lord, I just pray that you would just make this a blessing and bless those that have given. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We have some concerns uh, this morning that we're going to pray for before I ask if anybody else has anything. One is for baby Carson. Baby Carson is eight weeks old and is having some health concerns. So we're going to pray for baby Carson and also going to pray for Mary Lakata and um, Dave Johnson and Sandy Gurig. Those are some of the people that we're going to be praying for. If anybody else has anything that they'd like to share that we could just lift up in our uh, prayer time. Let me know, kind of short so I can't see. Natalia, who lost her grandmother yesterday, especially hard during the Christmas time. Um, yes, absolutely. Yes. Your son's having surgery tomorrow? Okay. Yes. Your niece is having, okay. Yes. Okay. Let's take a moment just to come before God and let him know 
how much we love him, Jesus. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity that we have to be together as a community in our church, to lift up our concerns. Lord, we know how important prayer is, and we know how awesome you are when it comes to listening and hearing our concerns. And we pray for those right now, Lord God, especially that are just going through the many health concerns, the ones that are in hospice, the ones that are having surgeries pending. Lord, the health concerns of all of us, Lord Jesus, all of our families, Lord God, we just lift them up to you. Lord, if there's any way, Lord God, that we could just help ease the situation, Lord, show us, Lord Jesus. Show us who to visit, who to call, who to let know, Lord God, that you are amazing and awesome and that you do love them. I pray for those that are going through losses right now, for Natalia, Lord, who lost her grandmother. Lord, I pray that you would just guide and comfort her. Let her memories, Lord God, just be wonderful memories that she'll be able to have and hold on to. And the hope, Lord God, that she'll see her grandma again, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that you're there in that midst to be that strength and comfort to her. God, I pray especially for those that are going through family situations right now where there's just strife and in times, Lord God, when people are just not getting along in families. Lord, I pray for your contentment, Lord God, for your loving kindness to show during this Christmas season, Lord God, that we'd be able to love those that it's hard to love, that we'd be able to show love to those, Lord God, that are hurting us. Lord, that we would be the light to this dark world, that you would give us opportunities, Lord God, to open our hearts to people and open our hearts to love those. And I pray especially for those that are just hurting this time of the year, Lord God, that are going through situations financially that are just having difficulties during this time, Lord God. I pray that you would help them. Show them, Lord God, that you are the God of miracles and you are the God of wonder. Bring wonder to our church and to our hearts, Lord God, that we be able to see you in a new and amazing way. God, I pray for those that aren't here today, that are sick at home. I pray that you would be with them. Be with those that are going through the, the cold and flu season right now, that are just having difficulties, Lord. I pray that you be with them also. And be with our military, our first responders, Lord. Those that are out in the cold right now, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that you would be with them. And I pray especially for the Advent play that's going to happen. God, that the children that are participating in it will have such an excitement of you and such an excitement that you came to this earth as a baby. And God, that they would see a new relationship with you, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you be with them. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have to come boldly before your throne, that we can just seek your face, Lord God. And in our quiet moment, as we just take a time just, just to pray our quiet prayer, Lord God, I pray that you would just be with us.
Thank you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to take an opportunity now to hear from the word of the Lord this morning. Today's scripture is from Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Elizabeth. In the book of Matthew, Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. You ever hear the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover? But we do, don't we? We do. I remember the story of a young man who was out late at night in a neighborhood that he didn't belong in. He was a grandson of an illegal alien, you know, immigrant, however you want to call that. And he himself wasn't dressed the way he was expected to dress for that community. And as he's walking along the street late at night, the police said, hey, come on over here. Now, the problem is the young man had been drinking, and so the police decided he must have done something wrong, regardless of what the situation was. And there had been someone who had stolen a car in the neighborhood, so they threw him in the back of a paddy wagon and took him to police headquarters. Do you think that kind of story ever happens? It happens. It happens a lot. Because we do judge people by the way they look, by the way they appear, by what they say on Facebook, by the way, and by how they act. People talk. And appearances do matter. You can live however you want, but you have to expect the consequences. Have you ever been in a classroom and somebody was passing a note to someone else? I know they don't do that anymore. Nowadays they they use text, right, you know? But, But back in the day, they used to pass a note. And I want you to pass a note. I want you to to take one out 
give it to your neighbor, and then pass the basket to them. This one's yours. Don't read them ahead of time. Just hand one out to them, and let's see what they end up with, okay? Passing notes can have the appearance that you're doing something wrong, right? It looks like you're probably uh, passing some nefarious note that you're not supposed to be passing, and so the teacher sometimes will read it in front of the whole class. Isn't that embarrassing? Has that ever happened to you? Here you go. Here's yours. It's an interruption. It's an interruption of what the teacher's trying to do in the class. And she has a lesson plan. She has something figured out, or he has something figured out. And this, this note-passing interferes, which is what some of you are feeling right now. Wait a minute. This is a distraction. Joseph had a distraction. This was not in the plan. It says in verse 19 that he was a righteous man. He cared what people thought about him. He was descended from kings. He was a carpenter. He built houses. I suspect he had a sign that he put out in front of people's houses that said, built by Joe, don't you? Right, with a, with a phone number. Oh, they didn't have phone numbers back then. He was proud of who he was. He worshiped God weekly. He studied the scripture. He did what was right. He had dreams of a career, of a family, of a life, like a lot of us do. He was engaged to a woman named Mary, who came from good family. She was, if you will, a good girl with a good reputation, a fine woman. She went away to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Remember that from last week? She was gone from three months for three months, and when she came back, she had put on a little weight, which at first Joseph thought, well, that's not bad. Elizabeth taught her how to cook. That's, that's a good thing, right? Until she said, I'm pregnant. And it totally shattered all of Joseph's dreams. Everything he had planted, everything he had thought about, everything he had worked out, all the ideas of his life were gone. And she said to Joseph, but Joseph, it's, it's God's child. It's conceived from the Holy Spirit. And Joseph just can't see it. He's stuck, as many people would be. And so he faces a decision. And sometimes we face decisions, and some decisions are pretty easy. They're between right and wrong, and we know which one we should pick. There's even ones that are between right and right, and it can be difficult to pick which good thing we're going to do. But it's not that hard. But when your decision is going to lead to something being wrong, it's difficult. And Joseph has a decision between something that seems wrong one way or the other. And we can make the wrong decision. And we can make it for all the right reasons. In the book of Corinthians, it says to us, God has made us competent and as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Sometimes there are laws that come into conflict with other laws. And how do we know how to choose which one we're supposed to live to? Joseph is a faithful, religious man. He doesn't want to be seen as doing anything wrong. What family and friends and the people in his community say to him, they matter. In that day and age, most people never moved more than five miles from where they were born. He's got to live with these people the rest of his life. So what does he do? What choice does he make? He loves Mary. 
but he doesn't know what to do. So he decides to put her away quietly. Now, you know, as this has been interpreted through the years, what that implies, according to most people, is that Joseph just didn't understand that this was God's child. That Joseph just, you know, was seeing that his wife was to be was unfaithful. And so we understand it in that sense, but it actually says in verse 18 that Mary was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, which implies he did know. He knew this was God's child. And he didn't want anything to do with this. And you go, well, that doesn't make sense, does it? Really? How many of you really want to be the stepfather to God's child? Think about it. Jesus, put that down. I ought to. Nice Jesus. Nice Jesus, right? I would want to do this. Do you really want to take on the responsibility of raising the Son of God? That's not in the dream plan. That's not in the goals. That's going to mess everything up. All the plans that Joseph had ever made are going to be totally thrown out the window if he does this thing. I happen to believe Joseph knew it was God's child. That's what the Scripture says. And he just didn't want to do what he was supposed to do. Either way, he's stuck. Whatever he does, it's wrong. This is the part in the Hallmark movie. It's about 15 minutes before the end of the movie. And the two, two that, you know, are, are awkward, you know, what, what, what happens, you've got a woman who's engaged to some dweeb who, who finds this hunky kind of rough-looking guy with a, with a, you know, a, who needs a shave, right? And, and, and somehow they manage to fall in love, even though, you know, nobody in the movie understands why, but we all do, Right? But at this point, they finally kissed, and they finally declared their love to each other, and then something comes out, some secret, somebody whispers something, somebody does something, so that, so that all of a sudden, one of them takes off and goes off to another city or another place, like, I am done with this. The young lovers, Mary and Joseph, everything was going so well until God came along and messed up their life. It's hard to determine what's right. It's hard to determine what's most important, what's loving, especially when it seems like there's really no good choice. An angel appears to Joseph and says, this is all fulfilling what's written in the Bible here. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a child. Hello, Joseph, you claim to read the Bible and be a righteous man and understand the Scripture. This is what God says he's going to do right in the Bible. The Bible tells us a lot of things that we just don't see at first often. God is speaking to Joseph through the Scripture, through Mary, the Holy Spirit, and now an angel who has to somehow, in some way, convince Joseph to do something he wasn't planning to do. So you're sitting in class, and somebody passes you a note. Right? This is the old days. You can, you can think it's a text, all right, if that helps you. By the way, how many of you didn't receive a note? Oh, they made it to the back. Whoop, there's one back there. I get somebody in the back corner there. Right? So they, you, you, you haven't even read the note, and the teacher says, well, let's see what it says. And you go, oh, no. Anybody want to read their note out loud? 
Go ahead. Genesis tells us that when God made you, he thought you were very good. Anybody else have a different one? Go ahead. God, what did it say first? God will give you a family to love, and that's in the Psalms. God will put you in families. Imagine if the note said something like that in class, what the teacher would do. The teacher would go, oh, <laughs> oh, oh. Well, um, can you just picture that? Because you know what we think the notes are going to say. We think the notes are going to say what we want, but notes from God, love notes from God, say what God wants. The truth is, is we misunderstand Christmas. We believe Christmas is about Jesus being born in a stable 2,000 years ago, and that's a part of, of Christmas, but that's not the important part of Christmas. The important part of Christmas is verse, in verse 23, where it says that he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's the miracle of Christmas. Not Jesus born a couple thousand years ago. Lots of things happened a couple thousand years ago. They don't mean a lot to me. God stepping into my world, my misunderstandings, my confusion, and teaching me how to love and how to be and how to live. That's an amazing thing. Bethlehem's important. But the Holy Spirit being born into a heart is more important. We've been talking about that over the last, last few weeks. The truth of the matter is, without God alive in your heart, most of what our faith talks about makes no sense. The very most important and essential part of our faith is to open up our lives to let God speak to us, and he will. Without the angel, Joseph would have made a huge mistake. The difference was the presence of God. A hundred years ago, the world was at war. The world was at war, and they were in this thing called trench warfare, which meant that, that one trench was about the, far, the distance of that side of the church to the distance of that side of the church, and they were trying to kill each other day after day after day after day after day to gain 10 or 12 feet. This went on for years. But somewhere a little over 100 years ago, it was Christmas Eve, and something else happened. Take a look. As night falls on Christmas Eve, Allied soldiers are surprised by what they are hearing over from the German trenches. Private Frank Sumter is one of the first to recognize what they are singing. And then we heard the Germans singing Silent Night, Holy Night. Our boys said, let's join in. So we joined in with the song. The British sentries don't know what to make of what's happening across the narrow no-man's land. Private Leslie Walkington was there. So then we began to pop our heads over the side and jump down quickly in case they shot, but they didn't shoot. And then we saw a German standing up, waving his arms, and we didn't shoot. When they met on Christmas truce, First they were afraid of each other, and then they uh, started to talk and shaking hands. And once they did that, 
uh, it just seemed to be friends. The British khaki and the German grey are soon gathering all mingled together. Thousands of troops sharing food, sharing stories, playing soccer against each other. A, a, a world at war comes to a pause, and why? Because they heard silent night, holy night. I should have Anita up here singing it in German, right? <laughs> that, that, that they knew this was the song of God. And we have what we call a paradigm shift. Instead of people killing each other, they become friends. Why? Because God became present. The truth of the matter is, is we need more of God present in our world, present in our lives. Because that's the power that will transform things so that we'll go from brokenness, confusion, and misunderstanding to life. Do you know they did a study just recently? Almost half of the people that live in America believe that Christmas has nothing to do with religion. That there's no religious basis for Christmas. That it's just a time you get together and share presents and have parties. Almost half of the people who live in the United States say that. Now, I'm not saying that, that necessarily they have to even be Christians, although a lot of them claim to be, which is also interesting. But at least to understand that the very word itself, Christmas, means the worship of Christ. Hello. But they don't know that. Things have changed so much. When I first became a pastor, there was, there was a, a uh, policy and pattern that people, pastors would baptize babies in the home or in different locations and such because the truth is you could baptize a child into the culture which was Christian. They would hear about Jesus somewhere. Believe it or not, I know for some of you who are young, this is hard to imagine, we would see Jesus on TV. They would tell us Bible stories. Davey, get down off of that train, Davey. Some of you are old enough to know who that is, right? Big old dog, Goliath. We would hear it in school. Believe it or not, there was a time when we said prayers when we were in school. They would teach us about God and show us who God was. Now, if you don't have anything to do with the church, you probably won't even hear about God, and if you do, it will be in such a confusing way, you won't know what it is. So we need a paradigm shift. And the paradigm shift will change things. Because the truth is, if God enters into our lives, we start to see things differently. Right now, our culture is filled with brokenness and anger and division and hurt and loneliness, and it's only increasing because they're listening to the wrong voice. You know, it's fascinating that during World War I, the generals were very upset. They said, what are we going to do about these soldiers who don't want to kill each other? We got to do something about this. We got a war to fight. They actually decided what to do. Both sides are well aware that consorting with the enemy is only one step away from treason, a crime punishable by court-martial and execution. Men on both sides go to sleep that night, wondering if they will wake up the next morning to renewed fighting or a continued effort to defy the war. 
the fear of punishment is enough to get most of the soldiers back to fighting. How amazingly difficult it must have been for these people to pick up shooting again um, and with any kind of vigor try and kill people in the opposite trench that they just celebrated Christmas with. Private Archibald Stanley remembers how his officer put an end to their armistice. Well, if you're knocking around, this fella come up the next day. He said, you still got the armistice. Picked up his rifle and shot one of those Germans dead. You want to end the peace, just kill somebody. Just be angry at somebody. Just yell at somebody. Just tell somebody how righteous you are and how you know everything and they're wrong. Give them the look. Joseph was a righteous man, but he's about to do something very wrong. Matthew chapter 23 tells us that people sometimes strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. God changes the paradigm. Some of you may or may not know I was that young man years ago walking down that street in the wrong neighborhood dressed the wrong way. I'd been to a party. Strange kind of a party. I was invited by uh, a friend of mine who was a girl. There were six or seven of them decided to invite the entire football team, meaning there were 35 of us, seven of them. So after a short time, they said, bring a six-pack, which I know you'd say, but, but we were 18 and back then we were allowed to drink, so we brought our six-packs. So, so we brought 240 cans of beer. And we had 30-some guys with nothing to do. So you can imagine how things transpired, and it wasn't good. After a period of time, we, we started acting out and even looking around the house because the parents weren't home. You, you know, that kind of party. You know what I'm talking about, right? And we found Dad's liquor cabinet. And myself and a few of my compatriots figured out a way to get about 40 bottles of wine out of the house. When the police pulled me over and were accusing me of doing something wrong, they were absolutely right I did something wrong, but they were wrong about the wrong that I had done. You follow? They terrified me when they put me in the back of a paddy wagon with a barking dog. Took me to their headquarters. Worked me over and then called my mother. Oh, Lord, don't call my mother. Just, just drop me on the street anywhere. Don't call my mother. But I did do wrong. Not because the police said I did something wrong, but because I had betrayed a friend's trust and stolen from her family. Romans chapter 3 says, there's no one who's righteous, not even one, not even Joseph, not me. We don't always do the right thing in life. It's interesting because evidently by the time this young woman's parents got back, they had put everything in order and the house was all cleaned up and fine, except she had one problem. There were 40 bottles of wine missing. So she passed me a note. Do you know where the wine is? <laughs> and why she thought I'd know, I really don't know. But she thought I'd know. Whether I did it or not, she thought I'd know. When I got the note, I have to tell you I felt terribly convicted. My friend said, don't give it back. It's our wine now. I snuck out late at night, got the bottles of wine, slipped them in her backyard, 
went home and called her and said, they're in the backyard. You know, sometimes, sometimes we can be surprised by people. You would expect that for the rest of her life she would just despise me for having put her through that. And yet, in my yearbook at the end of the year, she wrote, thanks for being such a good friend and rescuing me in my time of need. She returned love for what I did wrong. In verse 24 it says, the virgin will, or excuse me, verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. You know, I've often wondered if that should be turned around. That it should say, once Joseph got over himself and realized what he was doing wrong, Mary finally decided that he'd be okay to be her husband. Right? Because Mary's done nothing wrong. But she returned love to Joseph for what he did to her. God Emmanuel, God in our lives, teaches us how to love, teaches us what we should be. We need to break through the self-righteousness and show love to one another. See, here's the thing. When I tell those stories, people say, you know, well, that was back years ago when you were a kid and you weren't very smart and you weren't a Christian, but I was a Christian. I was a Christian. I went to church every week. I believed in Jesus. I even had accepted his presence in my life. I prayed to God every day. And I messed up. See, there's the whole thing. We have this idea we can be some kind of perfect person, but the story here is that Joseph, the righteous man, messed up. Just like all of us can do. But it's the presence of God that convicts us, that changes us, that shows us the truth, that teaches us how to love. How many got a love note? Hopefully, for some of you, it was a note you needed to hear. Handed to you from God. Romans chapter 12 says to us, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you heap burning coals on his head and may change his behavior to love. Is God alive? Is God born in you? Do you hear what God is saying to you? Do you know what God wants you to experience? Have you allowed God to be present in your life? Or are you wandering through life hoping not to mess up when you have the opportunity to have the loving God, the power of God, show you, teach you, tell you what to be?
whether we want to acknowledge that or not, whether we want to follow that or not, whether we want to open up our ears, open up our eyes, open up our hearts to receive that or not, God is always calling out to us and saying, come this way, come this way, follow me. And far too often, whether it be the busyness in our lives or just an outright choice, we say, I don't want to listen to that. I want to go my way. I'm going to go, you know, you're telling me to go this way, but, you know, I want to go this way instead. And every single time we go off track, we sin. And so we gather together as a body of people to ask for forgiveness and get right on the right path again, remembering who God is. So let's pray a prayer of confession. Lord, I am a sinner. I need your grace. Forgive me for my sins. Set me on the right path. Open my ears to hear. My heart, to know my heart to know the direction you'd have me to go, the that I may follow you, that I may be a blessing to you, and a blessing to others. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were still sinners, and this proves God's love for you and for me. So in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. 
Glory to God. Amen. And now as a forgiven body of Christ, as we prepare to celebrate at the table of grace, let's greet one another with the peace of the Holy Spirit. God knows us. He's known us from before the womb. And he's known and been with us in everything of our lives. There's nothing we can hide from God. There's nothing that God wants to reject us for. So God sent Jesus and made a way for us to be forgiven to be forgiven of our sin, to be restored to that relationship with him that we were intended to have from before the beginning of time. We remember that when we come to the table, when we share in the bread and the juice. We remember Jesus Christ in the body and blood, in the bread and the juice. And we remember that he has done this for us. And that everyone is welcome. If we love God, repent of our sin, and seek to live in peace as disciples of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where we've been. It doesn't matter what we've done. It only matters that God has made a way for us. So come to the table this morning. Come and receive all that God has for you. Come expecting the love of Christ to enter your heart. Come expecting that you will not be the same as you were when you walked in the door because of God's love flooding your very being. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away, 
and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, when nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ, whom you sent in the fullness of time to be a light to the nations. You scatter the proud in the imagination of their hearts and have mercy on those who fear you from generation to generation. You put down the mighty from their thrones and exalt those of low degree. You fill the hungry with good things, and the rich you send empty away. Your own son came among us as a servant to be Emmanuel, your presence with us. He humbled himself in obedience to your will and freely accepted death on a cross. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, and he gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. For the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave you thanks and praise and gave it to his disciples. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my blood. The blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice, in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Shall we pray together with the confidence of dearly loved children of God? The prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are serving please come forward? Anyone who seeks to have Jesus in their life is welcome at the table. Whether you belong to our church or not, you're welcome to come and join us. Come to the rail for prayers for healing and anointing or to light a candle. I do want to mention if you have children who are going to be in the Christmas pageant or if you're planning to help with the Christmas pageant, they'd like you to go to the gym right after communion. If you've got a child who wants to hang an ornament on the tree, come on over and join us in doing that. Come and join us with the Lord.
Before we have our closing hymn, I just want to give you a couple quick directions with this play happening in a couple of minutes. First of all, if you're not staying for the play, if you would go out to the left, my left, that way, um, that would be appreciated because all the kids are coming up that, that back hallway that way. All right, if you're staying, feel free to move into the sanctuary a little closer if you want to. Um, come and join us. It's going to be a great celebration. We look forward to it. Let's join together, if we can, in singing, O Little Town of Bethlehem. If you're able, I'm going to invite you to stand as we sing. memorable preschool pageants we ever had in our church was was when they, they all got up here and they were they were acting out the, the story of Jesus and Joseph took a look at the crowd out here and said, I'm out of here and went and sat with mom and dad for the rest of the play. And a donkey had to take Mary to the to the to the stable. Which you could do what you want with that, right? Well what a terrible thing that we'd have to replace Joseph with a donkey because he would have bowed out, which is what he almost did. God's got something incredible for your life. Something not only that God intends for your life, but that he intends for others to show his great love and how you can love in this world. So listen to God. Open up your hearts. Let God pour in and watch amazing, incredible things happen. God's got a story to write for you. Let him, let him write that story. Don't, don't freak out and bow out. May the Lord be with you and bless you and give you his grace and his peace and his wonder and watch over you in all ways. In Jesus' name, amen.